0: By sports interaction Canada Sportsbook. obviously I don't sound very good uh, so maybe I'm better off muted but welcome to the show everybody welcome to game over Montreal I, I appreciate you tuning in tonight I'm sorry that I sound like garbage but uh, started feeling it last night came through to the today didn't have a voice and uh, we're gonna still try to put on a great show for you tonight because it's hockey you gotta push through you gotta play injured. We've got a great guest here in Marco D'Amico from Montreal Hockey Now. I'm going to bring him in momentarily. We're going to talk about Sam Montembeau, who was fantastic tonight. Huge, huge bounce-back game from him after he struggled against Columbus in the last game between these two teams. We're going to talk about Arborzakai scoring in his return to the lineup. We'll talk about David Savard's first of the year and anything else that stood out from this game, which, frankly, was not much. But uh, first, we've got to tell you about sports Interaction. Think you, know what else, you think you know how it's going to go? Make your bet with Sports Interaction. I'm sorry, Sports Interaction, for this ad read. It's not going to be good. Whether it's the World Cup... Oh, God. Heartbreaker today for Canada. Hockey, football, basketball... Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pre-game, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. You want to bet... Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn, that's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn, 18 plus, please play responsibly. So I'm going to welcome in our guest tonight, I, I apologize for the monologue that went muted at the beginning there, but uh, Marco D'Amico is going to join us here. Welcome Marco, who's also recovering from an illness, because everybody's sick lately, maybe the Canadians are sick, and that's why the last two games have not been looking so great. <laughs> just just before
1: I start, am I unmuted? Show you are, signs if I'm unmuted. You are unmuted. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'll sum it up in one simple way. That was a really good third period of hockey. Um, uh, I think that's the best way I can sum it up. I think that uh the two teams were kind of playing on their toes most of the game, uh, goaltenders making most of the difference. Um honestly, I think Sam Maltembo earned himself a start, I think, next game against Chicago. I I I could understand why the team would go back to Allen, but I think, you know, time and time again, Sam Montembeau has shown good, mm-hmm. if not great, performances in the in the games he's been given. And I think that maybe it's time that he gets some more. And tonight was a good night to to show that because for the first couple of, I would say the first period alone, he was kind of left to his own yeah. in terms of, of saves and again, he continues to stand on his head. And, uh, you know, it, it brings me back to games, even games that he lost um, where he just kept the Canadians in it. And that's exactly what he did tonight, because we probably wouldn't be talking about a Montreal Canadiens win if it wasn't for Montembeau.
0: Oh, definitely not. Uh I mean, there were stretches in this game where he had to, to really stand on his head, you know, stopping two breakaways within like 10 seconds, like yep. clean breakaways. How does it even happen? <laughs> But uh, he was on it tonight. He was very determined to have a better game. And, you know, like I've talked about Sam Montebo as, like, he's a very chaotic goaltender. But one thing that is very clear this season is that his battle level is just incredible. His fight to see pucks, to get onto second chance opportunities, to stick with tracking the puck. Like, it is way improved over last season. And last season, I don't think he was a bad battler. It was just, I think he was a little bit more chaotic. And obviously that injury held him back a little bit as well. And also the, the team was a little bit worse as well.
1: Yeah. And, and he was injured for half the season uh, requiring wrist injury, if I'm not mistaken, on his hand. So, I mean, a healthy, motivated, rested Montembeau uh, is definitely going to, to get you some solid performances. And again, like despite his teammates in certain situations, especially the defense, some of those turnovers were brutal and uh, he was still able to kind of come in and, and do his thing. And you got to appreciate that. But at the same time, I also liked what I saw from, from the defenseman as well, uh, from a transition perspective. Arbor Jack, I, I think, played his game tonight rather than getting lost in the whole like physical tussles that Michael Pizzetta found himself in. He just focused on playing the game, uh, yeah. as St. Louis likes to say. And it rewarded him with that goal. And I think that the more he continues to do that and he stays away from what fans want to see, but isn't necessarily what's going to keep him in the NHL. um, I think if he continues to focus on those aspects of his game, he's going to be sticking around.
0: Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like those aspects of his game are special still, but he needs to use them in moderation and pick his times. He can't be going out there fighting every game and trying to go out of his way to make big hits. That's not how you play in the NHL anymore, and you will get exposed. And he did get exposed over the last, like uh, I would say, week or so of his uh, starts before he got a little healthy scratch there. So it's good to see guy looking confident and, and playing simple within his uh, capabilities in his young career, and he, he looked good tonight. Not many people did in the first 40 minutes, nope. I would say. <laughs> So it's no. good that he did. I will say one guy who did look good tonight, I thought, was Sean Monahan, who got rewarded with the, the empty netter. But he just continues to be a consistent, like, stabilizing presence on this team. And I know people have already fallen in love with him, and they, they kind of want to see him stick around. But I look at the deadline, and the Canadian's probably able to uh, retain some salary on a deal for him. They're going to end up with two first-round picks for Sean Monahan. I would have to to take him and one to get rid of him.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the talk has been looking at the centers that may be available at deadline. Jonathan Tays is the name that comes up most. Uh, Bo Horvat, there was talk of Ryan O'Reilly, but since then St. Louis Blues have kind of taken off. So that leaves Sean Monahan as the third option. Those are the big three at center. And I feel like if Monahan continues to produce offensively along with everything we just mentioned about being stable about playing that 200 foot game and about showing that those those hip injuries are behind him if he's able to continue continuously show that I don't think it's just a first round pick you're looking at like I think it's somewhat along the lines of a Ben Sherrod deal and I don't know that you can look that in in the face and say no if you're if you're Kent Hughes right now and I like Sean Monahan I like Sean Monahan all the way back to when he played for the Ottawa 67s. like He's a player I always used to like, but an asset's an asset. And the core of this team is 22, 21, 23, not 27, 28, 29. By the time this team is ready, he's going to be ending his prime. So I can understand, you know, them wanting to capitalize on it. And it is, like you said, beautiful asset management. I mean, if and when they do get you know, that that a uh, first-round pick for uh, Sean Monahan, everyone's going to be laughing about that deal.
0: Oh, 100%. It's going to look like absolute larceny, right? And, you know, we know that the Calgary Flames did that to sign Nazem Kadri. so, I mean, it's not like they're going to regret it, per se, because Kadri's fantastic, and he signed their long-term, but in terms of asset management, you know, they put themselves in a hole. Well, I guess they didn't put themselves in. They were stuck because of... What happened in the offseason with them but you know it i guess it's easier for kent hughes to deal from uh the position of selling things off than it is to add but it's great general managing to find the teams that are in that situation and take advantage of them you know and and that's the kind of thing that makes me look at hughes and say this guy is the right guy for the job to build this team up. But Before we continue talking here, I should say, for those who have just tuned in, uh, it's been a bit of a chaotic start to this show. I'm feeling terrible. Marco's not 100%, although he's recovering. And I uh, started off the show with both of us muted because, you know, it's classic, classic show. But if you're enjoying the show now, despite my awful voice, please drop us a like because it helps us you know, grow the show, help people find the show on YouTube and also hit the share button on there. Blast it out to your Twitter or your Facebook or what your Instagram, what have you. And if you want, you can tag me as well and I'll throw you a retweet. And, uh, we just really appreciate you all being here. It's fun to chat with you in the stream chat. It's an interactive show. So come on, show your colors. Tell us how you feel. If you're a blue jackets fan, you're welcome to obviously, uh, Obviously, but these teams are in pretty similar situations, rebuilding, trying to figure things out. But uh, yeah, that's that's all I really got to say on that point. I will say we should, when we were talking about uh, Montembeau and you were saying like you should start a little bit more, I feel like that's one of the things that I'm questioning about the, the coaching so far this season is they've really, like they haven't put Allen on like a 70 start schedule or anything like that. But I, I think that even over 50 is too much. For him, like we should, in an ideal world, I feel like Allen would be sitting between like forty-five and forty-eight starts this year, just to keep him healthy and and sharp. And his last four starts, I don't think he's been sharp. And there's no reason to continue to go to that when you have a guy like Montembeau who's really on his game right now.
1: I, I mean, at, at this point, the Canadians from the top to bottom have to figure out their goaltending structure, and they have to figure out their the way that they're going to utilize them because this is what's going on with everybody healthy where you're not sure you're kind of hesitant to to put in the backup who's playing much better. Um, I think at a certain point in time, you got, you know, if if you're going to go with your hot gun on, in terms of your skaters, then you got to go with your hot gun when it comes to goaltending as well. And you owe it to your team to put the best goaltender in the crease and you're going to Chicago. It's, you know, it's a matinee game or an early game. I feel like, you know, it's it's a just reward for being the better of the two goalies in a back to back. Honestly, though, it's it's, I wouldn't be surprised by the end of the year if Montembeau ends up getting north of twenty five starts. I think at a certain point in time, all these starts are going to start catching up to Jake Allen. I I just I don't um, I don't view Allen as a bona fide fifty five game starter. I think. Like you said, 45 to 48 makes a little bit more sense. And if this is the way that they're going to ease Montembo into playing those 30 ish games, well, then so be it. But I think they better start sooner than later.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I, I think, like, even Allen probably wouldn't take offense to that, right? Because I think he's only played, like, his career high is what, 61? And he's only done that once so I, I you look at his career and usually when he's the guy who's relied on to be the number one is when he struggles and when he's in more of a platoon situation he excels pretty well and i think we've seen that now for this is the third year in montreal where whenever he has to start too often things start to slip his focus is at 100 percent, and when his focus is on i think he's a very very good goaltender but uh Lately, not... I don't want to say he's like the only issue that the Canadians have been allowing a lot of goals. I mean, obviously, the reason why is because the defense is not amazing from a team perspective. And as soon as his focus lapses a little bit, it's like crazy chance after crazy chance and backdoor pass connecting all the time. So he has to be great for the Canadians to have a chance. But I I will say that... uh, if it weren't for Allen and Montembeau, like this team would not be looking nearly as solid as it has so far this season. So I think every Canadians fan who enjoys entertaining hockey should be very thankful to both of them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They would be far under the 500 mark if it wasn't for them. Um, but lately, it's also cost them games. And yeah. I think that's, you're starting to see a balancing act now where being number two in terms of goals saved above average for the first like 15 games of the season. And now, you know, one game he lets in five goals, one game he lets in seven, and then Montembeau comes in and one goal out of 29 shots or 30 shots against. Um, So I, 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 at that point, like, again, saves above above average. So Montembeau has continued his pace despite the irregular playing. So I feel like you have that luxury. You might as well use it because Jake Allen has, broken down in the past and you want to avoid overusing him and at worst even avoid injury because if Montembeau is asked to be the number one full-time again well then that's where he could break down as well and then you're kind of left with Caden Primo, and well it's been difficult being the number one in Laval this year I don't know that being the number one for the Montreal Canadiens or even a backup right now is necessarily the best thing for him no,
0: he he's had a rough time down there as well. I know that I was reading that he was left pretty much out to dry in their last game as well. So not a great situation overall for any goalie in the Montreal Canadiens system right now. But overall, uh, the team is still kind of fun. Although this game, not so much. Um, anything else stand out to you, Marco, about this game? Or should we talk a little bit about uh, the Leafs and uh, <laughs> New Jersey Devils ending in a hilarious
1: garbage fest. Um, There's one There's still like we talked about Monahan sticking out. Uh, Kirby doc to me is just, just consistently good. Like, and there's consistently like good in flashes. And then there's just consistently good making the right decisions all the time on the ice. And I just feel like he's the latter. Like I have rarely looked at a game and gone, man, Kirby, like, You should have like, why did you do this? Or could you you could have had these options available, constantly making the right decisions on his looks. I feel like every time he has the puck, there's a certain level of confidence in his ability. He doesn't lose his board battles easily. Really, the only weakness in his game is face-offs. It's terrible because he would be a really good center if he did if he were good at it. But it's really fun to see how much he's kind of evolved from where he was in Chicago a year ago. And seeing how he's utilizing his strengths, using his frame to protect the puck a lot more and really trusting his teammates. He's passing a lot more, taking shots from close in. Usually he would circle back or like avoid the high danger area. He's going to it now. I just find like those little things in his game that a lot of people identified as things he needed to fix in the off season, we're seeing progress in and it's showing because I think he has like 17 assists or something like that so far this season. It's something that I don't think many people saw coming this year. And we could say, oh, it's because he's playing on the top line. Sorry, 17 points. But it has more to do with the fact that he himself is no longer a complement, but a key member of that line.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, people could say it's because he's playing on that top line. And, like, sure, maybe some of the production is because – nobody else really is scoring. And I'm saying that in a game where only not the top line scored. Although I know that Savard's goal was uh, generated by the top line, but you know, none of the top three forwards registered a goal tonight, but he had like spectacular underlying numbers, even when he was playing as the second line center, right? Like from the drop of the puck on this season, he's been spectacular for the Montreal Canadians and continues to improve. And I've seen some criticism of him about, like, not playing physical enough or, like, not using his body enough. And it makes me kind of, like, shake my head. Because I wonder if he's going to become one of those litmus test players of, like, people who actually know the game versus people who talk about it but don't actually know the game. there's more than one way to use your body. You look at the way Doc protects the puck. Like, he's a very physical player. He isn't running guys through the boards because he's not F1, right? Like, he's not... That's not the kind of player that he is. He's leaning into his skill and leaning on guys to get the puck in tight areas. And the only times that he ever really like makes a mistake, I think he's usually making the right play, but it's just good defensive plays countering that, that like he saw too late and that happens to
1: everyone. Yeah. and, And to those that are worried about his, his physical play, I mean, one simple thing can kind of rectify that. Look at every single time a player from the opposition is trying to get the puck away from him. That's where you're going to see his physical play because the moment he has to protect the puck, shoulder out, back extended, puck complete, like four to five feet away, and he is gone the other way. It's so hard to extract the puck from him. And if you have the puck and you're along the boards, he may not crush you, but he will overpower you. And I think that that's the key is that he's not a Josh Anderson that's going to come in like a freight train, but he's a little bit more refined in the way that he goes about it because once he extracts the puck, he's already to the next step. He's already looking at who to pass it to before you know it's gone. So yeah. again, super intelligent player. It's just really good to see him put put it together.
0: And another move that makes Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon look like geniuses, right? Like Obviously, we're not in a situation where the Montreal Canadiens are looking at this season like, oh, we need to fast forward this rebuild. They're ready to compete right away. Like, no, it's very clear. They have very obvious holes. The team is playing like their record is above their play level. There's some things that are going to fall through the basement here at some point during the season. They're going to go on losing streaks for sure. There'll be rough times, but the pieces that Hughes is adding, like it just seems like home run after home run after home run. And from like, from an asset collection perspective, as well as just knowing what fits and what to bet on from like a hockey perspective, that to me is the crazy thing of like how well he's done in like evaluating the talent level or uh, the construction of the roster and what he needs to add. That's really impressive to me so far.
1: Yeah. And again, you look at, you know, we talk about Doc, uh, but it's not just it's, you know, Doc is a future piece. It's a long-standing piece, but the way that he went and identified positions of need and added prospects in that department, like Justin Barron, for example, everyone is kind of down on Justin Barron because he's not playing in the NHL right now, but it's probably the best because he's having his best offensive stretch in the pros Right now, he started slow in Laval and he's going pretty strong, continues to score important goals for them and is looking quite good for them lately. And he's progressing. And I think once he also joins the ranks, he's going to be another one of those players where people are going to be like, oh, I really like him. That was a good acquisition. Although it did cost Lekanen, which kind of sucks. But you still got, you still get a good other player that you can add to this. And they still have picks in the next draft. And we haven't talked about guys like Owen Beck or, or Lane Hudson yet. So I like where this is going, but I'm still of the mind that they need one more top piece. Oh, 100
0: percent Yeah. They if they were able to grab one of the top three guys in this upcoming draft,
1: yeah. It puts the know.
0: rebuild on a different track, right? It goes uh, from
1: like hoping the, to build a contender the, to like, oh, okay, they could actually do this. Yeah, I don't I don't know the top three is gonna be like unless there's lottery luck involved and we'll see, but I don't know if the top three is going to be attainable at this rate, unless they really start to bomb it at a certain point, but anybody in the top 10 is already going to be like a major upgrade on what's already on the roster and in the prospect pool. So you just gotta, if they can get their hands on one, if not two of those types of talents, you know, I think you have enough of a base to work with where you could start trading for what you're missing.
0: For sure, and you know maybe it'll be uh, this year's New Jersey because
1: what did they move up last year like ten spots or something like that? To uh, two, New Jersey went from seven to five, uh, f- from seven to two. Yeah, so pretty decent. So you can't go. There. You can't go up more than uh, ten anymore. Yeah. Yeah, So
0: maybe you'll get some sort of lottery luck at, at that or be able to move up like one or two spots by trading some of their other assets that they've accrued. I, I the honestly course. like if they had
1: to pick right now, if, if I had to know Kent Hughes and see who we pick, I think he'd actually go for an Adam Fantilli guy if he had the number two pick as opposed to a uh, Majve Michkov.
0: Yeah, that makes sense it, to me.
1: I, I mean, there's just so much have, unknown, right? Yeah, but you have a similar player in Cole Caulfield already. So like, it's just... I don't know, you want a different mix of players? I mean, that's one of the reasons why he picks Slavkovsky, right, is that he's a very unique kind of type of player. You're not going to find many players like him in subsequent drafts, so he went for someone like him. But the same applies to an Adam Fantilli. You won't – this is a guy that would go first overall most places if it wasn't for Connor Bedard being absolutely exceptional. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, Bedard is next level, and Fantilli is not as far behind – as I think most people think. Like, his his, uh, his numbers are fantastic. He looks, you know, projectable to be an NHLer right away. Yeah. Would definitely be easily, easily the first overall pick last year. It wouldn't even be a competition. Yeah. Uh, people are saying Mitchkov is risky with the Russian factor. I don't think it's necessarily the Russian factor to me. Like, there's his contract that is, I believe, four more years after his draft year is questionable. Whether or not that's even... Something that the NHL would honor right now because I think that agreement was suspended because of the invasion of Ukraine. And all I think the main thing is the league that he's playing in is like kind of questionable. And Russian development is always weird, so you, there's always guys that stick out, but you never know. Like it's it's odd. I know that uh, Mitch Brown was very heavy on Mitchkov being a like the best goal scorer in the draft, but I think he's uh, pushed more towards bedard lately and uh the other areas of mishkov's game are less pronounced so i don't know how you also feel. the lack
1: of playing like he hasn't played yeah. a whole lot lately which is concerning um and you know you're looking at other guys that are playing and they're catching up in stature you know you i i think a plethora of scouts right now would put Fantilli ahead of mitch i think that's a fair debate um but you're starting to see people like put Leo Carlson ahead of not Michkov because he's had that as well. Such a strong season in the SHL. And then you know, five, six, seven, eight, you're you know, you're looking at guys like Edward Saleh, Brandon Yeager, Zach Benson, um, you know, uh Count Ritchie. There's there's so much just in that glut of forwards that you can look at and, and defensemen that even if it's not the top three, you're still getting an excellent player, excellent, excellent player that you can add to your core. And I think that that's the thing is that I don't think this team needs a savior. I think this team needs like one really nice piece and another building block and you have your nucleus. The rest will then fall on Kent Hughes to just make the right moves. And I feel like we saw him make some pretty big splashes this summer. Let's give him another summer with, uh, what is it, $25 million in cap space this summer? So we'll see what he can do. Yeah,
0: absolutely. it would be an interesting time, and we'll see what they accrue in terms of assets around this year's deadline because they have players that could fetch some decent return. And I know that uh, it's incredibly unlikely because they're still a very good team. And I know that they beat the Boston Bruins tonight, one of the very, very few teams to be able to do it this year. But the Florida Panthers are not far ahead of the Canadians in the standings. And there is, like, teams as good as the Florida Panthers, when injuries hit, when bad luck hits, have missed the playoffs. They're 10-8-2 right now. The Canadians are 10-9-1. So if the Florida Panthers miss the playoffs, the Canadians go from having one good first-round pick to two really good first round picks in a very
1: deep draft that could if, also change things even if they make it in as a wild card like you're still picking 17 yep. 16 17 like that's a good place to pick because you're talking about guys like maybe ethan Gauthier, will smith um you know uh, uh can't pronounce his name to save my life but dragevich i think the defenseman of the whl but Good Lord, the hands on him. And, you know, there's, there's options for them, right, where they can they can easily move around as well. I think, you know, what they're looking for is that kind of flexibility. And I th- they've already mentioned that they would like to trade up in this draft as well. So you know that they're going to be aggressive to get to the top. You know they want one of those top pieces. So that'll be interesting. And you, you mentioned, you know, players that they would, might want to move a deadline. You know, last year they moved – a player in Lekkanen that, you know, yes, was a restricted free agent to be, but was still control a controllable asset for another year. There may be more than just their uh, unrestricted free agents, like Amanahan, that they move. There may be, you know, a guy like Joel Edmondson who may become expendable by them because Caden Gooley, Arbor Jackai, Jordan Harris seem to have the left side of the defense kind of hand hands pat. They're, they're pretty good. And you have Michael Matheson already, so there's too many of them, and yep. um, there's a lot of interest in him for reasons. And so, I guess experience. Well, um, uh, you know, f- big physical guy. Look what they got for Ben Sherat, right? <laughs> I just, yeah, exactly, and you have an extra year, and uh, you know, for for me, I think that's a that's a guy that you can look at. I know that you know teams are also extremely extremely hot on on Josh Anderson. Not that I think the Canadians would trade him, but. If there's a wow package that's delivered to the Canadians, you know that might be a sell high moment as well. Um, but I, I still don't think the Canadians pull the trigger on that just just yet. But there there are players that that teams are calling on that we'd be surprised. But I think Monahan is the piece. And then there may be surprising moves, you know, come the actual deadline.
0: Yeah. Uh, some weirdo named Mark Dumont is in the stream chat saying, "Shit, I don't want to speak for every Habs fan, but maybe you could talk about Lane Hudson for 30 minutes. You know, we he says, no, this is dark Moomaw, no bias. Uh, actually, we did that last night with Mitch Brown, who has heavily scouted Hudson. So far this year, we went over uh, the things that could hold him back. Uh, that he has to work on and whether or not those are like big concerns or just tiny little nitpicking concerns. So go check out last episode of game over with Mitch Brown. If you want to hear about Lane Hudson, there's lots of talk about Lane Hudson. On. I know he scored again tonight, another OT winner two times tonight. Yeah. God, the kid is ridiculous. If it, he's the kind of player that we mentioned this on the show last night, that if he makes the NHL, he's like, it's going to be as a star. He's not going to make the NHL and be a 20-point defenseman. He's like, If he gets over the hump of being a surefire guy, he's going to be absolutely incredible. I think everybody in the fan base is very excited about Lane Hudson, anybody who knows about him, anybody who's following the team closely. All right, I, I do want to say before we close out, the Devils finally lo- uh, ended their streak, uh, was ended by Toronto, both the Leafs and Toronto, the situation I don't know if you saw it, Marco, but, uh, one of my bosses, Adam wild became a devil's fan.
1: Yeah, I know that. I unfortunately saw it.
0: Yes. I also filed a complaint to HR. I told him the, Oh, okay. just every, every, everybody in the company bonuses for having to see that it has been all over my feed for days. So thankfully the Adam wild is a Jersey devils fan era can end, but, uh, three disallowed goals in that game but i have to say every single goal was completely obvious that it needed to be (laughs) disallowed and it sucks to see that happen but uh the devils eventually every streak ends right as great as they are and they are great this year you know actually i'll ask you this marco What do you think changed with the Devils from last year to this year to see such a drastic improvement outside of like Hughes and Hesher being healthy at the
1: same time? I think Jesper Bratz hit another gear as well. I feel like their forward lines are a little bit more balanced. Are much more balanced. I mean, the addition of John Marino is not being talked about enough. John Marino is really hit another level defensively for that team. And I think that brings stability all throughout their lineup because they were, you know, they don't have to, no offense to the player anymore, but they don't have to deal with PK Subban. Uh, you know, John Marino comes in, stabilizes that right side. I feel like they're more equipped now to, to kind of handle the rigors and they're getting consistent ish goaltending, which is the other thing that they weren't getting at all. They were just going through goaltenders. Like we would go through bubble gum and, now there's kind of some consistency and it shows on the ice. I think that when you have that balance and your young players take the next step, that's what you're going to tend to see. And that's, that's why I like the game against Montreal. It's exactly how I stated it is you're looking at what the final product of what Montreal's rebuild is, is going to look like. This is what they want yep. And to get that. Like I said before, you still need a couple of pieces, but I think that, the devils are are they're one really good goaltender away from being just a perennial contender in my opinion
0: yeah yeah if they had a goaltender who could even stop like at league average cuz oh, yeah. i think both their goaltenders have been slightly below league average so far this year in terms of like saves above expected they would be so like they're already so scary looking the the way that they play is so fun too. They're a different devils team than any that I've ever seen in my life. And you know, like even the, the devils team that scored a lot in like I think it was like ninety nine two thousand when they won, that they led the league in scoring, they were still a boring team to watch. This team is not boring. They're no, no. incredibly fun. And what I I said basically the same thing as you when the Canadians played the Devils, my takeaway on the show was this was a lesson taught to a team that can see the future there, right? Like they can look at the devils and say, this is what we want to be a team with a lot of really good players that plays a high tempo, (coughs) sorry, entertaining style. It's a great thing to to
1: look forward to. Yeah. And I mean, they're still missing guys like Alexander Holtz and Simon (laughs) Nemich that'll join in the next couple of years. But you see like they're set at center, they're set at wing they have everything they need. Unfortunately, they simply don't have it in with the you know, the situation room in Toronto. I think that's the problem.
0: <laughs> they need Lou Lamorello back to pay off uh, the right people or intimidate the right people.
1: I think intimidate is the right way.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, that's a joke, by the way. Anybody who thinks I'm trying to say that Lou Lamorello pays off anybody in the NHL, he obviously doesn't. He just puts concrete boots on them. Anyway, thanks for tuning into the show. Thanks, Marco, for coming on with me. And uh, yes, uh, Noel says I should rest. I should rest. I'm going to try to be all right. Mark is going to host the next show, which is a Friday afternoon game, which should be fun. And I'm actually going to be guest hosting Game Over Calgary on that same day. So it's going to be a bit of a shifty situation. But uh, thanks to Marco for coming on. Before we close things out, Marco, where can everybody find your work?
1: Uh, at Montreal Hockey Now and on Twitter at Demico. Perfect.
0: Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Uh, Noel says he's dying. He needs to call HR. Yes, this is the long-term effect of being exposed to Adam Wilde's pajamas. Slow, painful death. All right. See you later, everybody. Powered by Sports Interaction. Canada's sports